people. Let me give you a prime example. We're starting in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. Church, can you say rest? Rest is when God speaks to you, you believe it, you do it, and then you get victory because you obeyed God. I got to say it again. Here's how to get out of your depression. Here's how to get out of working and stress and all these things. It's when God speaks to you in the midst of your circumstance or storm, then he empowers you with a strategy. He tells you what to do and when you obey. Church, can you say, when I obey? Please understand this. I don't care how many Bible verses you know. If you don't obey them, they will not work for you. You must believe God at his word and you must obey what he says and then the victory happens for you. So let me give you an example of some rest Elijah received. Remember, rest is God says something, you're empowered to believe it, you do what he says, and then you enter into his triumph that you don't have to work it out. He's already worked it out. And now you have victory because you obeyed. Say this with me. Because I obey, I have victory. That's the only reason that any of us are living a blessed life. You're only living a blessed life because you're obeying God's word. There's no shortcut to blessings except obeying his word. So here's what rest looks like. Remember, God speaks. We believe. He tells us what to do. We see victory. Ah, rest. Why do we need rest? Because sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes we've got problems that are worrying us and, 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 and stressing us out and we're just worked ourselves up. We've got no rest, no peace. So why do we need God? We need him for life. So he speaks to us. We believe it. We do it. We see victory. It's all throughout the Bible. Let's start in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. It says this, Now Elijah, who was the Tish in Gilead, told King Ahab, here's a revelation, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. So a famine was coming, greater than a recession, no rain, no crops, no food, no water. But in the midst of this recession, the Lord, I'm sorry, of this famine, the Lord spoke to Elijah. So just think about this. Elijah is saying that there will be no rain in this land, but Elijah must be thinking, well, wait a minute. I live here too. Like, what am I going to eat? What am I going to do? Church, can you say rest? Don't you ever stress, right? Whatever you're going through that's bringing you stress, get into the word of God, get into the presence of God and hear what he has to say. So before, before, church, can you say before? Before Elijah could even worry about the famine that he had just pronounced over the land, verse 2 says, then the Lord said. Church, can you say revelation? I'm trying to teach you about rest. What is rest? Rest begins with a word, revelation. So God said, all right, now we're looking for empowerment. We're looking for a strategy, and then we're looking for victory, right? Because rest must end in victory because his word never fails. So here we go. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by the Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. 
Can you say strategy? Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I will, for I have commanded them to bring you food. Can you say strategy? So he's about to enter a famine, but not without strategy. Praise God. He's about to enter a hard point of his life, but not without a word from God. You see, without a word from God, we have unrest. So all of our stress is based upon us not having a word or believing a word or receiving a word that God has spoken over this situation. The Bible is full of promises of God that speak to any situation we could ever go through. So rest, unrest means I have not received a word by faith that will empower me with strategy for triumph. But we see here, Elijah received a word. Now, what Elijah didn't say is, but I like chicken, God. There's not gonna be any hamburgers there. Just, just all that grumbling and complaining. So here's another thing to learn. If God tells you what to do, don't complain about it. Just obey it. Do you want to live or not? Do you want joy or not? Do you want peace or not? Don't argue with God. Some of us, we hear from God, but we just don't want to do what he said. So then you say, I don't know if I've heard from God yet. Listen to me. You don't get to spin the wheel on God's word and wait for another word. Whatever it landed on, whatever he said, that's what he wants you to do. So Elijah didn't do anything else except what God said. And let's see what happens in verse 5. So Elijah did. You see those first three words? That means he obeyed. Do you know what he's going to get from obeying? He's going to get triumph because God doesn't lie. So our greatest problem in America is a famine that's going on. And the famine is the famine of the word of the Lord. Everyone's trying to figure out things behind the scenes when the Bible is wide open and they kicked it out of our schools and they've kicked it out of our government. And now all we have is mass confusion away from the Bible when we could have learned from the beginning. In the beginning, God created. It all starts with God. It all ends with God. In the middle, we've got to keep it God. Amen. So. The key to your rest, say this with me, church, the key to my rest, to my victory, is obedience, okay? You can't disobey God and be blessed, right? You can't disobey God and find triumph, right? You've got to obey his word and do it the way he said it. So verse 5, the first three words say, so Elijah did, okay? As the Lord told him, and he followed the strategy, he camped beside Kareth Brook. Why? Because that's where God said. Where is it at? To the east of the Jordan. Then what happened? Verse 6, the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Please tell me you understand rest because I'm starting to sweat. Do we understand rest? It's God speaks. Woo! His children are empowered by what he said. I believe that, God. I'm going to see. I wish, wish, wish that some of you would just start testing God at his word. Just because God said it, I'm going to do it. 
I don't need Google verification. I don't need to call Ray Ray. I don't need to call mom. I don't need anybody else to say that's a good idea. I'm just going to do it because God's word said do it. And I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to enter into his victory because his word, his word is attached to his glory. Do you understand that if God said it, it has to happen? I just wish that some of us would get back into the word of God and say, you know what? I'm going to do what the Bible says. You can, you can eliminate so much pain and so much stress and so much worry if you just be willing to wait upon the Lord until he moves. I told you about my $800 car from Craigslist, right? I tried to bless myself. I didn't want to wait on God. I got $800, right? I don't need you right now. I'll just get a car off Craigslist. Drove the car for a few months, right? Driving down the road to school. Start smelling smoke car catches on fire on the inside of the car. Not the outside, the inside of the car is burning. I get out as quickly as I can, three to five minutes later, the whole car up in smoke. $800 up in smoke. Do you see what happens when you don't wait on God? You do not enter into his rest. You don't find victory outside of God's will. You must wait upon the Lord. Wait until he says, he reveals to you his perfect will, and then you do that. Amen? Amen. So here's what we have to learn about uh, rest. Expectation and faith in God fuels our rest. How do we rest patiently upon the Lord? Because I'm in expectation. Because I have faith and I trust that God is who he says he is, and he will always do what he says he can do. My expectation and my faith in God, it fuels my rest. Listen to John chapter 6, verse 28 and 29. It says this, they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. You want rest, church? You want to know what you should do next in that situation, that problem that you're going through? Believe in the one he has sent. <sighs> you mean I don't have to figure it out? No. You mean I don't have to worry about it all night till I come up with a good answer? No. The only work you have to do, this is good. Man, if you're taking notes, write this one down. The only work you have to do is rest. But that's too easy, Pastor. Jesus said, it is finished. You just got to trust me. The only work I want from you is that you believe in me. That's why without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because without faith, you're doing it. And God doesn't share his glory with anyone. God sent Jesus to do it all. And without faith in Jesus, you can't please God. So if you want out of your situation, you just must believe on him alone. Some of you think you're smart. Some of us sometimes think we're smarter than God. That's your problem. That's why you got a headache. You got a headache because you think you're smarter than God. And you would rather come up with the answer than just rest. But God, I've got a deadline. You don't think God knows that you've got a deadline? 
You don't think that God doesn't know how much the bill is that you have to pay? He just wants you to trust him. Say this with me. Faith. Here's another t-shirt idea. Say this with me. Faith is my superpower. Because it just attaches you to his power. See, the only work we have to do is just believe on the one in whom God sent. So if you want to break the curse, the curse is that you must sweat and you must toil to scratch a living from this ground. There's going to be weeds and thorns, right? But the breaking of the curse, man, this is good, is that God sent bread down from heaven. I hope you caught it. The curse was you got to work hard for bread from the earth, sweat and toil and all this work. The blessing is the curse breaker is Jesus, the bread of heaven. Remember in the desert, the wilderness, he sent manna from above and fed the children of Israel. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to sweat. All they had to do was gather it, right? And if fear got involved, what they took for tomorrow was spoiled. He said, only gather what you need for today. Amen? I hope you're learning today. All right, let's keep going. So this unrest and this weariness and these burdens, these things, uh, when dealt with, when dealt with by ourselves is the assignment of the enemy. So I know that we have problems and issues and deadlines that surround our life. But if the enemy can get you to work about work on them and get you to worry about them, then that's an assignment from him. He wants you to be your own God. Isn't that what he told Adam and Eve? The reason that he doesn't want you to eat this fruit is because you're going to be like him, knowing the difference between both good and evil. So the devil is always trying to eliminate God. You know where your stress comes from? At some, at some level, God has been eliminated, and now all I see is the issue. Now all I see is the problem. See, your joy manifests from whatever you are meditating upon. If I'm meditating upon Jesus, I have his joy and I have his peace. I'm, I'm, I'm being ministered to what I meditate on. If I meditate on my problems, I'm being ministered to by my problems, right? How many of you, how many of you would play a tape over and over again of hearing about all of your problems all day long? You know, your nose is too big. You know, you know, your, your job, your, your benefits are running out. You know, they're going to cut your health insurance. You know, like who would want to listen to that all day long? Because you know what it would do? It would bring you down, down, down. Because whatever you meditate on, it ministers to you. That is why you must meditate on the Lord. Because whatever we meditate on is, is what ministers to us. And we know that through him we find peace and joy and goodness and life and all of those things. So this unrest and these weariness and this, these burdens... What's going on here? Where does this come from? What is the root of it? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. We're going to see what the root cause of our depression 
and our anxiety is, right? Here we go. It says, the wisest man the world ever knew, Solomon, wrote this and says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So what does that teach us this morning, church? It teaches us that our own thinking is the cause of our unrest. Wow. You mean all I got to do is just stop thinking? Yes. Stop thinking and start trusting and start believing. Our unrest comes from our own thinking because we're leaning to our own limited understanding. So, where there is no trust in the Lord, there is pride and fear. You've got to watch out for these two great enemies of rest, both pride and fear. Pride says, I don't need God to figure this out. And how do we know that we're in pride? Because we're constantly working on a situation and if I asked you how long you've thought about it, you said about two weeks. And if I asked you how long you've prayed about it, you say about two minutes. Ooh, that's some pride in there. That's using the, 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 the wisdom of this world instead of tapping into, man, the wisdom of God. So the stress buster is you stop trying to figure out your next move and lean on God and trust in him with all of your heart, and then he will direct your path. Amen? So, not only is there unrest from doing things, oh man, not only is there unrest from doing things our way, but God resists the proud. Jimmy, can I borrow you for a minute? That nice blue shirt, you look very nice today. You're welcome. So, if the answer is right here, and just stand behind me a little bit right there. So this is the breakthrough. This is what Jimmy is trying to get to, all right? But there are forces working against him if he's not in rest, okay? So if he's trying to, just try to push against me a little bit like you want to walk forward. So I'm, you're a little bit strong there, all right? So, he's trying to get to triumph without rest. He's trying to get to victory without a revelation, without empowerment, without strategy. So, first of all, he's stressed out. He's anxious. Keep pushing. He's getting tired, right? He's getting weary, trying to reach it. So, not only can he not reach victory because, man, this is good, because he won't humble himself to God's help, you must also realize that you can't reach God or you can't reach victory because God also resists the proud. So not only do you have stress and you're trying to keep, keep going, you're trying to reach victory without God, all right, and you're causing stress on your own because you're leaning to your own understanding and you're wearing yourself out. On top of that, God resists the proud. He will not even allow you to reach the destination or goal without him. There is resistance from him. Why? Because you're not in faith. Because you're not trusting him. Because here's the, here's the problem, church. Even if God let you get to that thing without him for a little bit, you'd mess it up anyway. 
you wouldn't know how to handle it. You wouldn't have the wisdom to handle it. You wouldn't have the patience to handle it. Let's give this strong man a hand as he heads back down. So not only are you, if you're in pride, not only are you depressed and stressed, and that's wearing you down, you're also being worn down because God resists the proud. So let's read about that right now. All right. James chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. How does he give grace? Generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen? Come back, Jimmy. We're going to do it the right way now. All right, so sometimes we start off pushing, right? And God's resisting us. But then, if Jimmy, if you just take a little step back, all right, and drop to your knees, please, and humble yourself, right? Now, here's what God does. All right, he was resisting you because you were too proud, but now he's willing to help you because you've lowered yourself and he will escort you to that place of rest and place of victory that you've been wanting to get to. And, and let me show you something. Let me show you something. Go back down. Go back down. In this scenario, watch. Okay, let me pull you up. Come on. Who's doing the work? In this scenario, who's doing the leading? In this scenario, who's doing the blessing? That's rest right there. Thank you, brother. That's how we enter into his rest. The definition of rest is when we cease from our own activity. Did you see Jimmy's activity? That's our activity. We're pushing, we're trying to find a way ourselves, we're trying to get God out of the way, and we're being resisted the whole time. It's no different than Adam and Eve being evicted from the garden and he putting cherubims there with flaming swords to guard the tree of life. You can't get to it. He's going to resist you. You can't have life that way. You must go through the cross to receive life, to eat the fruit of the tree of life now. Amen? All right, so let's keep going. Verse 7, so humble yourselves before God. Oh my goodness, this is how we enter the rest of God. So humble yourselves. What's that look like? God, I guess I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, duh. I mean, I mean why have a God if we're not going to use him? Why have a God if we're not going to acknowledge him, right? He says, it says, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And what will he do? What, what, what did we just see happen to Jimmy? 
and he will lift you up in honor. So, who is this Lord that men should humble themselves to him? This Lord of ours is the everlasting God. Listen to what Isaiah said in chapter 40, verses 25 through 31. We're talking about the everlasting God here. We're talking about the one that put breath in our nostrils. We're talking about the reason we should put our trust in him. Who is he? Who is the Lord that we're supposed to call upon and put our hope and confidence in? It says this, in whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, so may we know that, that God that we're resisting while, we're, while we are proud has incomparable strength, all right? Not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, or, or house of Israel, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless, even youth. So this is what the Bible is saying. Even young people will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will, all, they will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. That's what happens to those who humble themselves before the Almighty God and says, God, I can't figure this out. I've Googled it. I've asked questions. I've tried to find answers myself. <sighs> I'm done. Lord, I humble myself. And in that moment, the resistance from God stops. He comes to stand beside you. He lifts you up in honor, and he leads you to soar on wings of eagles to those places that he has manifested for you for his glory. All right, let's finish up here. Kimberly, you can come, please. So, the name of the, the message is called The Invitation, okay? And now Jesus is about to make an invitation to the weary. Proverbs 13, 15 says, Good understanding wins favor from others, but the way of the unfaithful is hard like barren, dry soil, okay? If we resist God, we will see our lives dry up. There will be no blessings there. There will be no glory there. There will be no honor there. Every single one of you, every true blessing that you have is because you obeyed God and he blessed you. Maybe you weren't perfect in your obedience, but that's what grace is for. Grace is for the weak who still desire to obey God, that he will give you the grace to maybe one leg is shorter than the other. He'll say, you know what? I'll help you favor this other leg. I will give you the strength to keep on walking. 
No, I'm not expecting perfection, but I am expecting you to be passionate as you seek to obey me because that is your greatest sign of love towards the Father is that you obey him. So there is an invitation, church, that is going out today. And before the doors are everlasting closed, I pray that you have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And that's found in Matthew chapter 11, 15. We must first hear the call. We must first hear the call. So just for a moment, stop your crying, stop your worrying, stop your complaining, and say, God, give me an ear to hear. Church, I, I, we need to say this. Say this with me, church. God, give me an ear to hear your invitation to enter into your rest. Now listen, see, we are multifaceted people. So it is possible to have rest in your finances, rest in your health, but unrest in your marriage, or unrest with your family, or unrest at the job. See, Jesus is inviting us into total rest. Not just some things at rest in our lives, victory there, but all things. So Matthew 11, chapter 28, verse 30 says this. Then Jesus said, remember, I told you from the very beginning, we got to keep it real right now. If you're going through any stressful things, any kind of anxiety, any kind of worry, this is the time to keep it real so that you can hear the invitation. Then Jesus said, Re Revelation, here comes strategy. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. St. Nicholas, can you come here for a minute, please? Just stand beside me here, right here. So, the invitation he gives us is to come to him. Did he come to me? He came, right? He accepted the invitation, okay? And the invitation is for all who those are weary and heavy, carry heavy burdens. And he says, what I'm going to do, okay, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you a revelation that will empower you with a strategy for triumph. And I'm going to sum it all up into one word and one name. And that name is Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate rest. Okay. He says, take my yoke upon you. So what does the yoke of the Lord look like? So if it were oxen, we know that they would have a piece of wood with two holes in it so that each could put their holes or over their necks and they would be yoked together so that they could pull a heavy burden or a heavy weight easier, right? So they're yoked to the weight and they're yoked to each other. So what does the yoke of Jesus look like? Because we don't get a physical piece of wood to yoke us to him. 
So what does that really look like? If you could see a visual image of the yoke of Jesus, what would this look like? If I'm Jesus and this is you, here's what that yoke looks like. I got you. You're tired, you're weary, I've got you. And, and, and how does he have us? What, what does he do? He says, let me, allow me to do what? Teach you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to be with you. And as you go through hard problems in life, I'm going to teach you, okay? And why is that? Because Jesus says, although I'm Lord of Lord, although I'm King of Kings, although I'm maker of the universe, I'm going to teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, right? I'm going to teach you because I love you and I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart. And then you will find rest for your souls. So church, where does this rest come from? It comes from a teaching of Jesus. It comes from the word of God. Remember? Thank you, brother. Rest comes from a revelation. So Jesus is saying, bring yourselves to me with all your heavy burdens, and I'm going to teach you something. What are you going to teach me, Jesus? Not to carry that stuff around. I'm going to teach you to put your trust and your hope and your confidence in me. And I'm going to show you that I will give you rest. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come to me. That's the first thing we have to do is come to him. And we have to recognize that he's talking to us, that we are weary and we carry some, we carry some heavy burdens. And he says that I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. So what's this mean? If, if, if my brother was still up here, I could lead him and guide him like this and he would follow me. He'd be yoked to me just like, and that's what the life of a disciple looks like. Where Jesus takes us, that's where we go. What Jesus teaches us, that's how we live our lives now. Let's pray. Father, I've given them part one of this message about the invitation, but first I had to explain to them what your rest looks like and how we must humble ourselves to receive it. Man, so one of the major points of this message is you resist those who lean to their own imagination. You resist those who try to live from the wisdom that was received from the knowledge of good and evil from that tree when you really want them to be attached to the tree of life, and that's your son, Jesus. And when we were born again, we were crucified with Christ on that tree, and we were baptized into his death, and we received new life from him. 
So now you offer us an invitation that faith unlocks. You offer us an invitation to come to you, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and we will find rest for our souls. As an act of your faith, church, I want those in this place that can hear this call, those that are willing to be honest with themselves and say, you know what, I've been carrying some things that I ought not carry. The way the Holy Spirit explained that to me today, I think I've been doing some things wrong and I'm ready to make it right. As an act of your faith, will you come to this altar if you've been weary or carrying anything heavy? And will you, as an act of your faith, come to Jesus? And will you just pray here at this altar? And will you just say, Lord, I learned something today. I learned not to try to do it myself. I learned that I've got to put my hope and my trust and my confidence in you alone. And remember this, please remember this. Don't let pride hold you back. Because when you have pride, not only are you tired because you're trying to figure it out without God, you must, you, you must realize that you're also being resisted by God because he resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So I believe some of you are tired, not because you're wicked, not because you're evil, none of that stuff. You just didn't have the wisdom you needed in the moment to say, you're doing something that I'm supposed to be doing. Man, that's the revelation of rest. The Lord is saying, hey, you're doing stuff you're supposed to be trusting me for. That's why you're tired. You're trying to handle a God-sized task in your own strength. Of course you're tired. So Lord, I want you to see these people at this altar right now. And you know what they're here for. And I'm going to ask you here at the altar to, to just take some kind of posture of humbling yourself. Whether that be going to a knee. If you can't go to a knee, that's okay. You can just put your hands out in front of you and basically saying, you know what? I give this up to you, God. I give this up to you. I'm done trying to figure it out. I, I just can't figure it out, God. But that's who he invites. You would think, you would think that he would invite the powerful. You would think that he would invite the strong to be near him. But nope, he's saying, I'm inviting all those who are troubled, all those who are weary. That's who I want to give my rest to receive my rest. Church, if you're not, if you're not at the altar, would you, would you assist them at the altar by praying from where you are? Would you pour out your love on these people at the altar right now? Would you pray for them? Would you pray blessings over them right now? Would you, would you assist them with your faith?